Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game Design Podcast. Once again, my name is Brad Carney and I'm the founder of Final Boss Entertainment, who recently developed Rack which is actually the game we're going to be discussing over the next couple of episodes. We're currently celebrating its one-year anniversary. It was a year ago today that we left Early Access and blossomed into a fully released game. So a couple of the other Rack developers and I are going to spend the next couple of episodes looking back at Rack, discussing what worked, what didn't, and kind of breaking down some of the, the game design behind the game. And I'll have to have part two of this up for you tomorrow as part of the week-long celebration of Rack's one-year anniversary milestone. But first, let's talk a little bit about Rack itself. If you're an avid listener of the podcast, you know that every episode I mention that Rack is a game we've developed, and do it in such a way that leaves you gasping for air and sore for days from such extreme laughter. But today, we're going to be taking a more candid look at this game that we spent so much time and effort making. In this double episode, we'll be talking with some of the other developers and break down some of the game design behind Rack and talk about what worked and what didn't. And if you haven't checked out the game before, Rack is an arcade-style, cel-shaded classic shooter. It's a game we started all the way back in 2008, when we were all in slightly better shape, uh, basically in response to the first-person landscape at the time. We, the developers, basically grew up in an era of fast-paced, exploration-oriented shooters that basically didn't exist anymore. Games like Halo and Call of Duty had completely taken over, and to us, it, it didn't seem right. The classic style of shooters didn't go away because the games didn't make money. For whatever reason, the main developers of these games just stopped producing them in a timely fashion, for reasons ranging from engine research and development to simple mismanagement. So it was this belief that classic shooters still had a place in the modern shooter landscape, and the belief that there was still a market out there that wanted a classic shooter that initially led to the development of Rack. The game we initially started making was very Doom 2-esque. Fast speed, keeping all your weapons, crawlers being pinkies, and so on. Hell, not only was the game Doom 2-esque, but its development was, too. The team was small, the engine was written from scratch, there was a heavy emphasis on modding from the beginning. Now, the game started off that way, but naturally the game started to take on its own personality. For reasons I won't get into right now, photorealism isn't something I'm a huge fan of in gaming, so we wanted to have some sort of stylized look for the game. Besides, I don't know how well photorealism would work in a game where you run at 180 miles an hour, but anyway. One technique I had in the back of my mind for a while was something called cell shading, which is basically a shading technique of using bands of light on an object instead of a full gradient. But hey, this is an auditory medium, so I won't dwell on that too much. It's something I think a lot of you are familiar with now anyway, thanks to games like Borderlands, which actually isn't so shit, but anyway. Uh, to wrap this up quickly, while developing the engine, I picked up a book on shaders, which happened to detail how to pull off the technique, and once I got it implemented, the game popped. It hit great, and suddenly the game was starting to have its own personality. At this point, things were starting to flow. Around that time, I was playing a whole bunch of platformer games for both fun and study, I have a good job. Uh, specifically, Mega Man X4 and Super Castlevania 4. And I thought it would be really cool if Rack was sort of like those games in first person form. The game I had in mind was already extremely arcadey boss battles, lots of action, flashy graphics, and so on. And I thought the addition of elements from these games would match that perfectly. A life system meant that deaths are less penalized, and you can quickly and seamlessly get back into the action if you die, which is something virtually all Castlevania and Mega Man games have. 
Uh, score system means you have an incentive to do flashy things and perform great feats like big combos, chains, and jumps, which is something that came from Super Castlevania 4. Bosses and mini-bosses mean the nature of the gameplay is constantly being changed up. The same thing goes for each level having its own setting and gameplay mechanics. The fact that each level has its own setting, music, gameplay, mechanics, being split into two parts, and having a boss at the end is something that came from Mega Man X4. And the last piece of the puzzle was the arcade elements. I like the idea of rapidly killing monsters one after another, which became the kill chain system. It's something that I thought would be a lot of fun, make you feel like a badass, and also add some tension to the game for those who wanted to play it at a high level. We also wanted it to feel really nice, too. The idea of having an escalating sound during your chain is actually something that came from Peggle, strangely enough. Between the display and execution, we wanted it to feel like doing a combo in fighting games, another arcade element. Towards the end, we really wanted to drive the concept home and added finishers, something to reward you in the game for a nice long kill chain. And the end result of all this was Rack. From the beginning, we strove to build something that would stand the test of time. We put an incredible amount of time and effort into all aspects of the game, even the name. S seriously, I had pages of possible names for the game. All in all, I think we're very proud of what we produced. Could things have been executed better? Certainly, but this was our first game, and it's been a learning experience in many ways, which were incorporated into our next game. Some things worked out and some didn't, and over the next couple of episodes, we'll be talking about this. So first up, we'll be talking with Remco Ernst, who is our lead artist on Rack, and we're definitely going to discuss the art style uh, a great deal, but we're also going to talk about taking the game to conventions and a lot of things that worked and things that didn't. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy it, and I will be back at the end to discuss tomorrow's episode. So we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary here, either in a couple days or maybe next week, de depending on when this episode actually comes out. But I wanted to talk to you, one of the fellow developers of Rack, just kind of have a nice little discussion about the design of the game. You know, th there's a lot we tried to do with the game, and uh, you know, some of it worked out, some of it didn't. Um, but you know, first of all, I mean, thanks for being on. Yeah, it's uh, nice to be on for the first time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> I'm sure th there's a lot of people who are probably hearing your, your voice and your, your lovely accent for the first time. So, so where, where are you from? I'm from the beautiful small country called Holland. You are Dutch. I'm Dutch, a Frisian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so and and uh, what was your your role on Rack? Just, just so people know. I've been starting out as the texture artist, and then it turned into the artist overall. Yeah, you, you were basically our, our lead artist on, on the project. Um, and it, pretty much anything that was 2D, um, other than like the, the character art... Uh, you know, and the, the storyboards. Uh, I mean, basically, you were responsible for. So, I, I mean, the, the the whole game being just kind of like this bright, colorful, uh, honestly, very uh, interesting and, and stylized uh, look was, was basically your doing. Well, it was kind of fun because uh, when I first entered the rack, it, I remember when I first heard about it, it had the realistic art style, gothic ish, like Quake 1, for example. 
And then when I heard for the first time it was going to be cell shaded, I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> then I started to um, I started to create textures for it in a cell shading way, and it started to grow on me. And now I do not even understand that I liked the realistic look before because now Rec uh, to me has its very distinct personality. Yeah, and you know, I mean, th- that's something we were definitely trying to go for from the beginning. I mean, Rack, a-, a lot of the reason it came to be is that we were trying to do something that was very different from the kinds of games that were coming out uh, at-, at the time, specifically uh, first-person shooters. Um, you know, it's like a lot of them were going for this like very, very realistic kind of look. Um, you know, kind of slower movement speed, uh, regenerating health, and I, I know you and I like we we kind of grew up with uh, you know Doom, where um, you know, it, was, it was very colorful. You, you moved uh, very fast. There was no regenerating health. Like, like there was a heavy emphasis on exploration. Um, so you know, it's, it, we definitely wanted to do something that was kind of more in in that vein. Um, then you know, kind of this new uh, new era of shooters that was coming out, and, and certainly uh, you know, giving an art style that was uh, you know different and distinct from from uh, you know these, these modern shooters it was definitely a big part of that. Oh, yeah, it was a win-win situation because we were a very small team with a small budget, and uh, we have our homebrew engine that not everyone might know of, and. To compensate for uh, for that we didn't have a triple A uh, tools to work with, we could create very nice graphics, and it wasn't really that heavy on the hardware. And we didn't need heavy use of shaders or all kinds of bloom effects to make the game look good. I think if we chose a realistic style, we would have. A big problem making it look right. Yeah, and, and for one, uh, it, like doing realism, uh, you know, with with your art style, it, it's very technology and, and hardware dependent. So, I mean, basically, if we if we had gone that route, unless the game was like absolutely up to par with like a you know. AAA titles that were coming out coming out at the time, it was going to look bad. It was already going to look dated. It, it was just not going to be really visually appealing. Uh, at all, so I mean, we wanted to have an art style that was more, c- kind of a little more reminiscent of like a you know, like Nintendo and Super Nintendo games, where you know it was colorful and stylized, so that to this day it's like they still look good. What I really liked about uh, uh, having the chance to develop the art style is that uh, I always thought that um, cel shaded games. A lot of them just use like a shader with an outline, like uh, the textures are just solid colors. But what I really missed in the cell shaded games I played was uh, the high resolution textures and the details in the textures in, um, in a not washed out way. Because in many cell shaded games nowadays, the colors are very washed out, like it's paint. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I get, um, you know, thinking back to like something like uh, the Wind Waker, it's like it, it does seem like it's it's you know it's cel shaded, but it's, it does seem like it's a lot of like very uh, like solid color textures. Whereas like something like Rack uh, or you know like Borderlands, like there, there really is like a lot of detail uh, in the textures. 
Yeah, it's not to say that that, that I don't think that other games look good because I think that like uh, Wind Waker, it it looks it looks very good to me. But um, what I personally missed is the details in the texture because I thought there is so much room for it to draw these details that could make the game uh, be alive so much more. Like for the example, uh, the discussion we had last week about. Uh, the weapons of our new game that uh, the first versions I put up uh, lacked the amount of detail we had in Reg 1 and that had to do with the fact that we, we are figuring out stuff with shaders and in the end you and me both agreed that um, it looks way better if all these details are painted on and the time is taken to just hand draw it right on there yeah, I mean that that's something I know you've made a big point about in the past like uh the fact that like in this engine because it's like what you see is what you get um it, you just have like uh I think it's an artist like that gives you much more control over kind of the end result of how things are going to look. Um you know, it's you're not dependent on any kind of, you know, shader to get the exact kind of look you want or or anything. It's 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 pretty much like you know, if you want a certain detail, like you, you have complete control over putting it in there yourself and and how it looks. And I, I would think that would also uh, really make the the development time. Uh, I, I think it would really cut that down. Um, yeah, because you know you're you're not waiting on any programmer to you know kind of do any kind of effect. You're not waiting on them to to tweak it. Uh, you know, it's it's completely under your control. It was completely under my control, and that's why I love the job very much. I mean, I have learned to um, create tons of art without boundaries, and that was the greatest, that was the biggest appeal of this. You know, I, I, I know one of the other things that you've enjoyed about your job is that uh, w one of the things that we've, we really pride ourselves on doing um, is, you know, t taking the game around to conventions and kind of having people play it there in person. Uh, you know, and, and kind of getting feedback. So, I, I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, us going to QuakeCon and SGC? Um, those conventions are um, a very nice place to meet people and to meet players uh, of the game. I was also um, very disappointed that I wasn't going to take part of QuakeCon this year because when I see pictures of it, uh, it just gave me this positive feeling and it's very motivating to uh, let people play your game and uh, yeah re really really appreciating your hard work then we also had um, um, industry figures like John Romero and Keiji and Afune come by and watch our game and yeah it was it was just a really great experience yeah i mean that part of it was was really cool uh you know kind of getting their endorsements for the game um yeah i, I mean just like an absolute thrill i, I mean yeah you know, as a kid i mean you know john romero specifically it was i mean someone i i looked up to uh yeah you know, i enjoyed reading all his interviews and just you know kind of following his his career and everything and, and i think had i known at the time who kg defune was i, I would have done the same with him but you know his he, he wasn't the as big a celebrity back then um you know it's I, I think people knew of Mega Man, but not necessarily the people who created it um but you know yeah i mean 
by by going to those conventions and getting to you know meet a couple of idols and having them come you know appreciate the the work you've done. I mean, obviously that that's super cool. Um, yeah, I was very, I was even very surprised that KG Inafone uh, was at our place because I heard he was going to be part of SGC, but then he just walked in front of us and. It really made a big impact um, on us because, uh, contrary to what people believe, Rec is more inspired by the likes of Mega Man than than the Doom style. Yeah, yeah, which is something we'll get into a little later. But yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, he he was like the the guest of honor at that. Uh, that convention and they just kind of <laughs> all of a sudden you know you're like tapping on the shoulder like like brad, brad you know like i'm busy what, what's going on you're like seriously you want to look at that you know and then there he was you know creator of Mega Man himself the the le- the, the man the legend uh it was there checking out our game but yeah i, I mean i mean that that, that, w- that was i mean all that was, was super cool um but you know I, I think the other thing that's like really great about these conventions um is that you know, the, you get to have like such rich feedback from from the people you know as, as they play it you know it's if if you uh you know say you're like working on a game and like you the only kind of feedback you get from that is like i don't know maybe people play it uh uh you know they, they record it they put it on youtube and that's kind of it you know, there's probably a lot of self-editing going on there. Uh, you're, you're probably not getting the full picture of, you know, kind of how they're they're playing the game. You know, if if uh, first of all, like if, if they're having technical difficulties with it, like they're they're not going to get that footage up on YouTube at all. Uh, so you know, you're you're, you're completely not going to get any of that feedback. Uh, but you know, also like you know, if people are, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of a, a natural. <laughs> they don't want to embarrass themselves. Uh, so you know, like if they're doing poorly at the game, they're not doing well. There's probably a, a better chance that they're not going to upload that footage. Uh, you know, and then that's that's feedback you're not getting. You're not going to know that. Oh, hey, you know, a lot of people are having trouble with this one boss or. Uh, you know things like that so you know kind of by us being able to take the game around to conventions i i know like some of the absolute best feedback we got was just basically just sitting there kind of watching people play the game uh and you know kind of going off and making tweaks sometimes that day uh you know sometimes that night after the convention and definitely i even remember we have uh, with tons of different kind of uh, groups of people playing this game we had like uh, <laughs> the two young young girls like they were like i think eight or nine years old and uh, the daddies played them and even even just all kinds of different people yeah, it's it, you know it, it does kind of surprise you at times. You know, it's it's like those two little girls specifically. It's like you know they're not our target market. They're they're probably not any good at this. And then it was like the I think those two are like some yes. of the best at the game. Who yes. uh, you know of all the people who uh, stopped by that weekend uh, at QuakeCon and checked the game out. So in, in yeah. a convention, I was here at Holland. I was even very amazed. There was a guy and he had um, he he had. Um, his hand was gone in an accident or something, but he st- he played the game with a controller with just one hand, and it was amazing. Wow. He was good at it. Th- th- that's pretty amazing. Uh, th- there, there's someone here. Um, I-, I think he actually lives in, in Texas somewhere, but um, he's the Street Fighter player who he, I mean, he must have like some kind of 
genetic condition or something, but I, I know it's like his something's wrong with like his arms and legs. So like he he basically has to uh, travel around like on this little like cart. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of like lying, uh, you know, belly down on on the cart. But you know, he's he's like this amazingly good Street Fighter player. You know, oh. he he like controls. Uh, I, I mean, he basically puts the controller in his mouth. Like, and he he controls <laughs> the uh, the stick like with his. I don't know, maybe his tongue, maybe his lips. I'm not even sure. Uh, but you know, he's still like. I mean, Street Fighter Four is like an incredibly technical game. And you know, I think he plays Chun Li, who's also a very technical character. Uh, but you know he, he's like this incredibly good player. You know I, he wins a lot of our, our tournaments down here. Uh, his name is uh, Brawly Legs, and I think there's like a, a documentary about him somewhere somewhere out there in the ether. What's that? Uh, it it's it rings a bell. Maybe I've seen it before. I'm gonna look it up after this. Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll be sure to link you uh, to it. But yeah, it's but you know I mean just the amount that guy is is overcome. Like it's just really like inspiring. It's also depressing because his his technical skills are better than me, a fully abled human who practices way too much. But uh, but yeah, it's it uh, I just like, but you wouldn't know about this like unless you didn't kind of go out there uh, into the public. Exactly. You know, if you just kind of stayed home and you know slave away on things all day, like you're you're not gonna. You're not gonna have these experiences. You're not gonna meet these kinds of people. You're not gonna you know see these different things. Yeah, beyond beyond art skills, that's the greatest thing I learned in this industry. That it's all about the networking. It's all about showing yourself and be proud of your product and um, let people recognize you. And that really helps to build up uh, some recognition and yeah, it's great feedback. Yeah, um, one of our other team members, like you know, we were talking, uh, you know, a little bit about how. You know, John Romero, the creator of Doom, came and saw our game uh, at QuakeCon. And I think the big reason that happened is because, uh, you know, one of our other team members, uh, you know, who he, he was one of the modelers on the team, he went and uh, I think he saw Romero uh, at QuakeCon like uh, the day before or something, kind of, you know, approached him. And, you know, they kind of had a conversation. But, you know, he said, like, hey, you know, we've got a. We've got a game that we're showing in the uh, the the vendor. You should come check yeah. it out. And uh, sure enough, he made his way over the next day through the through the sea of people mobbing him because of yes. his uh, celebrity <laughs> status. And uh, I think I think he secretly enjoys it. Oh, I'm I'm sure he does. He's the rock star of the game industry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I mean, you don't you don't grow your hair out like that if you don't want to be a rock star. So you don't wear three rings on each hand. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just, and I mean, just just for the record, I mean, you know, the, the, he Romero was just, you know, he was just a total rock star. I mean, like, he was just the nicest guy in the world. Just, you know, so so outgoing, just so charismatic, just just everything. I mean, he he really lived up to, you know, kind of what you thought he'd be. Oh, really? Exactly. Yeah. He did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. It, it, all in all, it was it was really cool. We were kind of talking earlier about how, yeah, you know, the the game is largely its inspirations are are um, you know obviously Doom, kind of like the the classic shooter elements, but also like there's a lot of um, you know console platformer uh, elements to it. You know, games like Mega Man and Contra. Uh, so I, I want to talk a little bit about those. Um, the, the first big thing I want to mention um, along those lines is that we kind of designed the levels to be kind of uh, we want each each level to kind of be like its own 
thing. Like it's its own area, uh, you know, kinda have its own look to it, its own you know, it kinda texture set, uh, its own music, its own mechanics. Uh and, and they kinda wrap things up uh with the boss. And that's something that um you know, it was it, it, that's something like you saw in games like uh, Mega Man. You know, it's like you'd you'd go to the ice level and then at the end fight the ice boss. You know, and like the ice level kind of have you know slip and slidey ice and uh, you know icicles come down and hit you, and then you'd like go you know like the the lava level you know which has like you know fireballs that shoot out from a little lava pit you gotta jump over. You know, and then at the end you fight the the lava boss or whatever whatever you know is, is your the particular game uh, is calling for. But you know it's. It's like we were kind of trying to go for uh, that same kind of thing in Rack. Um, yeah, so it's like the, the the second level. It's kind of like the it's the disposal area. You know, so it's 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 a bunch of you know like nukage pits and uh, you know things like that. Uh, you know, and then like level four. Uh, you know, because I mean the, the the levels are kind of two for each. They're kind of split into two parts, but um. It's like the second area you go to. It's the dispo or uh, sorry, the recycling center. So it's like smashing ceilings, uh, you know, conveyor belts, and you know, and then its own texture set there. But yeah, I mean, that was something like we really pushed hard for, um, and <laughs> sadly, it doesn't seem to have been uh, really picked up on by by many of the players. Like, uh, you know, d- despite us, you know, despite like doing like entirely new texture sets for like each of the the levels and everything. Yeah, that was um, um, kind of disappointing, but um, I also learned a lot about the entire process. It's yeah. like um, it was also a part of it that uh, we were when we started with this. We were inexperienced in developing a game in a professional way, so um, you start to uh, you start to uh, fixing the things you. Um, didn't do that well before and now we're our second game i already noticed like a huge increase in the development speed of the game right like what you mm-hmm. told me last summer there are already more weapons done than there are in the entire wreck that's right everyone who didn't think rack had enough weapons you you will not be disappointed this time around oh no i think i think people will be amazed yeah oh yeah and they're actually like wacky and fun and, and crazy too. So people, I think people will enjoy them. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I mean, you, you were kind of talking about how, you know, like I, I mean, our, our basically our lack of experience, uh, you know, kind of hurt us when we were trying to pull these different things off. I think that the big lesson that I, I learned from um, that particular, you know, like the whole like people not really getting what we were going for thing is that. Basically, the first ten seconds of you know someone's experience are, are going to be critical. So, basically, if you know, in the first ten seconds, like you're not really hammering home that like, hey, this is a combination of a Doom style game and a you know co- console platformer, it's just basically going to be lost. You know, people are going to, you know, kind of make up their minds about what the game is like very early on and it's going to be very difficult to change their mind from that point forward so i I mean you know i i kind of saw this in like um you know like when people sat down at quick on to play it i see it a lot in youtube videos but it's like someone will like immediately run around and like a 
the very first room of the game, they're just like, oh yeah, this is Doom, this is Doom, yeah, okay, you, yes. you move fast, the levels are kind of blocky, like, Doom, okay, this is Doom. And then it's, you know, it's like, by the time they get to, like, the first mini-boss, like, they've already made up their mind, okay, it's Doom, you know, and then it's just kind of, anything that doesn't really, like, fit that kind of perception of the game, like, they just ignore. So, it's like, there may as well not even be bosses in the game at that point, because, like, well, exactly. Doom didn't have bosses, there's, there's bosses, that doesn't make sense, ah, yeah, it's... so... I know I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah. So you know that that's something we're we're, we're trying to really address, like uh, you know, in, in this new game, it's you know, it's like right off the bat, like we want it to be clear, like kind of what the game is, uh, you know, and, and and that the ways that it's unique from other perhaps uh, similar games, like we we want those differences to be uh, immediately noticeable without giving too much away. So yeah. Warm the people up by telling that we uh, did an upgrade to the engine and we have a lot of more graphical uh, effects going on in the game. And there are a lot of things that we already wanted to do in Rec 1, but we uh, lacked, we lacked the experience and the time to do it. So, yeah, we upgraded our engine and it's all coming together and it looks great. Yeah, it's... It, um from a visual standpoint, it's <clears throat> one of the things that I'm I'm really trying to go for uh, in this new game. It's just have like everything like be way more dynamic uh, as you look around. Like I mean, Rack was like very static. Uh, you know, as you kind of moved around, like everything was basically like shaded the same. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you looked at something, uh, you know, from a different angle, like it still looked the same. Uh, you know, it's the the lighting was directional. It had nothing to do with like the placement of the camera or, or the direction you were looking in. So basically, it's like you could walk past something and it wouldn't really look different uh, in any way, shape, or form based on based on you moving around. But in, in this new game, you know, it's like we're, we're trying out some different elements. You know, it's like we're, we're trying to get some. Um, environmental mapping going in it which uh i need some feedback from you on that uh <laughs> um I'll get it, later. yeah yeah um and then uh it, it's like we're trying to get some um you know, like specular uh lights so, some normal mapping and just you know we're just doing a bunch to uh really enhance the uh the art style so that you know things are uh, a lot more dynamic um yeah, it's just it's just a lot more, even more visually captivating than Rack was. Uh, you know, when you're when you're running around and doing things, all while still kind of like preserving like generally the same kind of art style we had before. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of uh, uh, you know changes and, and upgrades to it, but yeah, you know, we're, we're still kind of going for this like kind of colorful, stylized, cel shaded look. Yes, that's the thing we want to we really want to keep uh, the art style with its own identity. Really, it's more than, like you say, more dynamic. Like the complaint I often got is that uh, Rack looked so uh, static, and my answer was always, we can't do anything about it. This, this is within our budget, and this is right. how far we can go right now. And now this boundary is moved way higher, and we get all these new effects, and not every level is blocky anymore. We have curves, we have, we have all kinds of shaders, and it's great. 
And, you know, I, I mean, part of what's great about, uh, you know, Rack being at least mildly successful is that we've gotten a chance to, you know, kind of build up our networking. So, you know, we know a lot more, you know, talented artists who can work on this. And it also made enough that I can actually pay them, <laughs> you know, other people to, to do things. So, I mean, we can kind of get this done, like, in a, in a reasonable time frame. So, you know, th- that's that's all really nice. Uh, you know, and, and then the other thing is, like, we've just kind of, like, learned a whole bunch. You know, it's... You know, it's it's like adding on a, you know a couple new elements to the engine is so much easier than you know like writing an entirely new engine from scratch. Yeah, which is developing this game is like new game plus. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean that's that's how it should be. You know, it's it, uh you know you should get to benefit heavily from you know the experience that you get from you know kind of making the first one. So yeah, I think that goes for you know anything. I I know it's been the case for you, uh, you know, with the art. You know, it's like a, you know, I mean now I know you can do things like way faster than you could uh, in the rack day, just because like you you have a lot more experience and you know kind of have a solid uh, grasp of the art style you want. Also, what also works great, I told you last week, is like we have so many people working on this game actively now and everyone is uh, seeing each other's stuff online and it's really motivating to see everything coming together. Yeah, let me just kind of like fill everyone else in real quick. Uh, So one of the the new things that we're doing uh, with this new game uh, that we hadn't been uh, with Rack is we're using this, uh, this website called Trello now, which is basically, uh, let's see, how, how would you describe it? It's uh, it's uh, basically a digital scrum meetup, and maybe uh, people who are into game design probably know what scrum is. It's like a, I, I actually don't. You <laughs> well, it's like a, it's like a method to uh, to develop a game in a structured way. It's uh, okay. like the. Um, uh, what's there to do? The doing the right, yes. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a like scheduling. Um, it know, wasn't. It's, it's, it's basically like a big like project management website. So you know, it's it's like the, the way it works is is kind of like you can like create like what's what they call a card, which is basically like some kind of like task or something like a like a a monster, you know, or something. So it's it's you'll make a card for like a monster, and then it's like you put it like the concepting. Uh, you know, kind of like category. So you're kind of saying like, okay, this monster needs to be, be a, uh, you know, concepted, and then it needs to be modeled, blah blah blah. But it's it's, I mean, basically, um, you know, you can assign these tasks to different people. So you know, like the different people can kind of see like what they need to work on at any given time. You can schedule like due dates for you know the different tasks. Uh, you know, and then, like everyone can see that. And I, 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 I haven't had to do this for myself, but I know I've had to do it for you. But like when I set like a due date, like you get like notifications about that, right? Like you get like emails saying like, hey, there's been a comment on your card. You know. There's yes, been... that's really great because I'm a very chaotic person, and but this really helped me to stay structured and to yeah. to, to get everything in little chunks, so you're not losing the oversight of things. Yeah, and and just uh, really, really um, develop way smoother than what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, and I I, I kind of feel like I'm kind of <laughs> butchering it a little bit on the on the explanation, but the, the thing that's really cool about it is like it, yeah, it helps you keep like really organized and everything, but also like you know, if people are like working on something like uh, you know we have like concept art for like some kind of future thing that's not in the game yet, we can attach it to like one of the the cards uh, you know that that's being worked on you know like for instance like um 
you know, it's it's like when we got like a new weapon that's being done, and you know, someone does like a concept sketch for it, or you know, kind of starts doing like a like a blockout, um, you know, of the basic model. I could put that screenshot like on the card, and then it's like people who are like kind of you know looking through the board to you know kind of see what what we're all working on and everything. That you know, it's like they can see that art there and be like, oh man, that looks awesome. That's that's really cool. Except- and I know that that's happened like not only for like the team members, but you know, we got some people who are who are beta testing this thing and like just them seeing that, like they they get really excited about it too. Which just I mean, seriously, it just makes us all feel good. You know, it's like we feel like. Uh, you know, like things are coming along. We're we're happy that people are excited for what we're doing. And and, and by the way, like I'm I I echo what 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 you have to say about it. Like I'm I'm super pleased with how things are going along. You know, it's like things are coming along super fast, and like the quality is just like such such a level higher than uh. Well, there's what we're also doing with Rack. one thing I really wanted to say about this company. It's like. Everybody has its voice in it. It's not like you are the boss, so everything is going your way. Not everyone has its. Yeah, uh, things opinion. frequently don't go my way, so. <laughs> uh, everyone's opinion is taken into account, and that forms the uh, opinion of the entire team. And that's why people keep motivated because they feel they feel heard. Yeah. And you know it's 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 kind of funny it, you know it's like I, I do try and like empower you guys as as much as possible, and you know it's it's kind of funny like at times it's like <laughs> like I, I I it's strange to like see me like see people like not take advantage of that you know it's like I mean there's a lot of people and, and like I'm totally cool with it but it's like they just kind of like want to do their job and you know kind of get their money and that's that's kind of it it's like. Do you want more than that? I mean, it's, you know, it's like, I, you know, if you have, you know, feedback on how this should be going, uh, you know, I, I mean, seriously, speak up. You know, it's 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 actually kind of funny. You know, it's like, um, like in the rack days, it was like, <laughs> part of the reason why, like, I I kind of had some like beta testers and stuff come on, like, kind of late the process was like, I just needed feedback from people. I'm like, hey, like, I wrote the story of this game. What do you guys think? And then it's like, I couldn't like get any opinions from like the team <laughs> members. So it was like, all right, well, I gotta find someone who will, you know, let me know and tell me if this sucks or not. So you know, and so. Sadly, there are also a lot of uh, playtesters that think playtesting is just playing a game and never let her of you anymore. Yeah, yeah, they, they think they're just like special and good, free yeah. access to a game and not not ever have to give feedback. And no, that's not part of the deal. That is not part of the deal at all. So it's like, yeah, you know, in exchange for you getting this access, we expect like the very basics. You know, just like. Share your opinion, which is you know something people do constantly on Facebook for free without any kind of solicitation. Oh, yes. But uh, you know, then uh, it's like getting feedback on a fun game. It's like why is it so hard to get? Uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, it's you know, uh, and, and something real quick I want to go back to. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about um, you know, kind of like the first ten seconds. Uh, you know, are, are just so critical in you know kind of how people are going to perceive a game. Um, you know, and, and people are going to make up their minds very quickly. But you know, one of the things that we're really trying to be cognizant of um, 
is we, we want this new game to not look like a Borderlands, which is something we heard a lot of uh, with Rack. Um, you know, it's it's like basically people would play the game for about ten seconds, and thanks to you know the movement speed, uh, you know, kind of the the art style, you know, people are kind of like, oh, so this is basically Doom meets Borderlands. And yeah, I I, feel- I can't tell you how many times we heard that. I feel flattered, and at the same time, I feel disappointed. And that's not right. because I think Doom and Borderlands are bad games. No, not at all. They are great. But it's that I really wanted to look distinct from right. Borderlands. Right. And um, what I've seen in Border- with Borderlands is that Borderlands uses, uses a, a, a shader on top of its graphics to get the comic-y vibe. Right. And in Rec, we used no shaders, but we hand-drawed everything, and that was a ton of work. And if people then say, oh, it's just like Borderlands. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So now so, I really, I really uh, started to understand that this guy, uh, um, I forgot his name, the, the creator of Braid. What was his name again? Jonathan Blow? Jonathan Blow, yes. He was really disappointed that uh, people... Even if they gave them great, gave him a great review, he was disappointed that uh, that they compared Braid to Super Mario because it was a side-scrolling platformer, right, yeah. jumping puzzles. Exactly, yeah. And, and it's like if 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 you've played like Braid, like at all, you, you know, like it's nothing like Super Mario Brothers. No, not at all. Yeah, and two incredibly different games. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean, after going through this, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see where. Jonathan Blow is, is coming from though, though I'm sure he his game has many more good reviews than ours. But anyway, uh, <laughs> well, but, uh, he deserves he deserves it because I think I think Braid was one of the pioneers in the whole industry. Oh, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I didn't no, no, no question about that. Um, but I mean, with with this new game, you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to do a lot to make sure that we don't have that same thing happen again. Yeah, it's like we want the game to have its own kind of unique art style, so people aren't like, oh, so it's like Sanctum meets Borderlands, you know. So we're, we're, we're trying very hard to avoid that. So you know, I mean, kind of what we're doing is we're looking at other games that are self shaded uh, and don't look like Borderlands. Uh, so you know, we're kind of look, trying to look at those for inspiration, and at the same time, it's like we're we're trying to do you know, kind of uh, our own kind of unique things, uh, you know, with the the shading, so that. You know the the we kind of have our own things going on uh, that aren't that don't look like Borderlands. They kind of give the game its own kind of unique look. So I, I, I guess we'll find out fairly soon because we're we're kind of coming up on it. But uh, you know we kind of start sh- showing the game in public. Uh, I can't wait uh, for that because we have, we have been brewing so many months behind the oh, scenes. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we we spent like six years working on Rack, and we're already. Starting at close to one on this one, so TikTok guys, <laughs> clock's going. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like this is coming together much faster, much better. So, all, all, all is good there. But, but yeah, it's you know we're. I mean, just just to, just to really, I mean, drive it home. Like, I mean, that, that first ten seconds, you know, it, it's very important, and, and that's something we talked about uh, in the episode with uh, the Rec developer, Winters. So. Do you have any like kind of final thoughts on like a you know kind of the, the art, uh, the art style, all that? Well, my my goal is really to um, it's challenge, but I want to improve upon the rec art style without 
it's losing its own thing, which is the cleanliness and the, um, the hand-painted textures. And it's a challenge to do that, but I'm sure we, we, will, we will get through it. And it's already showing great progress. Yep. I agree completely. So that was my conversation with Remco Ernst. Should have part two up tomorrow. That is going to be a conversation with Hani Macron. Uh, that's going to be a more design-oriented discussion uh, about racks. So very much looking forward to that. The music for this episode is from Rack, because of course it is. Well, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, and we'll be back tomorrow for part two. Thanks, everyone. Bye.